The world around us is changing rapidly, and your job as a fundraiser or nonprofit marketer is evolving with it. We're Pursuant. We're built by fundraisers for fundraisers, and we've been in your shoes. So we want to bring you tips and tools that you can use to meet you where you are in your current reality and help you go beyond to where you really want to go. You're tuned in to a Pursuant listening experience. Hello, hello. This is Taylor Shanklin. I'm the VP of Marketing at Pursuant and the host of the Go Beyond podcast. Hey, this episode is going to be fun. I had a chance to sit down with David Sicchetti on the Pursuant team and talk about why he says direct mail is not dead and still very much alive. If you are listening to us online and you want to subscribe on your phone, we've got you covered. Check us out on iTunes and on SoundCloud and on Google Play or Stitcher. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button. And if you're on iTunes and you like this podcast, leave us a review. Let us know what you think. We'd love to hear you. All right. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, hello, David, David. Hello. <laughs> How's it going today? Uh, it's going great. Thank you. How are you, Taylor? I am swell. I am swell. It's a beautiful, sunny afternoon here in Austin. And I'm excited to talk about a sunny conversation with you. And that is on the topic of direct mail. And it's funny, you and I, I think, I don't know, maybe a couple of months back even, we're having this conversation about direct mail and different and interesting ways to revive it and to communicate through direct mail. And so you said to me, and, and we see this like many, direct mail is not dead. And you've got some really, um, I think, interesting thoughts and ideas around this. So let's, let's yeah. just get started there, David. Why do you think that direct mail is not dead? Well, there's many, many reasons why I think direct mail is not dead. Uh, I think that over the last several years, particularly um, in the last five to 10 years, the advent of digital communications and the technology and the advancement in that channel has grown tremendously. And we're seeing donors engage with organizations through their, their digital channels and increasing revenue year over year. And that's wonderful. It, you know, it's an opportunity, it's a new way and a new opportunity for donors to engage with your organization. And it's fantastic that it's growing. Um, and it's a very important channel. But I think that there's a myth that that is coming necessarily at the expense or decline of direct mail. And that's a bit of a myth. Uh, for lots and lots of organizations, their, their direct mail programs continue to throw off the majority of revenue at an individual kind of direct response level, despite, you know, Many of the programs, you know, not 
um, achieving kind of pre-recession metrics um, after the decline in 08, 09, and 10. We saw um, a rebounding happen, and we're seeing that, you know, mail is still a vital, vital channel um, and has a strong place within a direct response program. Um, it has the capability to act almost not only as a fundraising channel, but as a way for organizations to get their brand out there. Nonprofits that don't have a ton of advertising dollars use mail as a way to get their brand out there. People still get their mail and they still look through it. And it's a good way to get your brand in front of people's eyes. Um, we also have research um, that has shown that more of your message or brand is retained offline versus something consumed digitally. And so it's a great way to think of mail at a more holistic level that it isn't just about fundraising, but it's also about advertising and it's also about getting your brand out there um, without having to spend, you know, massive budgets on advertising and billboards. Um, I think another reason mail is still vital is because it really is the foundation for bringing lots of new donors into an organization. Uh, research shows that donors that are acquired via mail tend to stick with the organization if you can get them to give that all-important second gift. Once they become um, a multi-gift kind of donor to the organization, they tend to stick around. And so even though digital is cheaper to execute, um, the ROI on direct mail, it exponentially increases over time if you can keep those donors engaged um, with the organization. Oh, and yeah, and it's also um, what I have found in working on clients with both digital and mail programs is that even though digital is cheaper, there's a lot of lift that you need to do to engage somebody digitally to get them to become a donor. So, for example, you know, a cadence of communications around engagement has to happen through sort of fun, lighthearted touch points with a path that converts them to a donor. Whereas with mail, it's one shot, right? You, you get the package done, you get it out there, it hit people's mailboxes, and if they open it and engage with it and it hits them from an emotional standpoint, you get the gift and then they respond. And so it's easier to kind of create that package and get it out there to reach large numbers like you know, 50, 75, 100,000 people or more. And yes, you may only get one, two, three percent response um, of those individuals that are giving a gift, but you're also having, you know, thousands and thousands of brand impressions. 
Yeah, that's a really good point. And um, it's interesting too. I mean, so you mentioned that, you know, people's likelihood to give again. So you're saying that it's almost like, I wonder if it's that tangible element of you've got this piece of paper, right? Or this letter or this card, and it makes a different impression than something that you see digitally. Like I have to wonder if sometimes it's like the way it hits the brain, right? Like you retain it more. So in the research, are 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 you saying that people who give, who make that initial gift through the mail are more likely to give again through the mail versus people who make a one-time gift online or like in a digital space? Yeah. So, so if you think about the two mediums, right. And you think of, of, um, online, right. Whether it's a social ad and email, digital has to be short engaging, you know, make you stop that scrolling with your thumb while you're on your mobile device on your way home from work or to work. And it's got to catch you right away. But you're not able in a lot of those instances to convey a true case for support. Whereas with mail, you get an opportunity to create a package, even if it's just a one-page letter, or um, there's more real estate for you to develop the case for support in a compelling way. And so it's designed, if it's designed in a way that cuts through the mailbox clutter and people engage with it, you're making your case for support as an organization. Whereas with digital, you make that case for support over a series of different actions. So you might get someone to interact with an ad that gets them to play a fun game or take some kind of advocacy action. And then they might get an impact story and then they might get you know, an opportunity to then give a gift. So you're building the case for support over time, whereas with mail, it's a straight shot. And so when someone responds to a mail package for the first time, it's a pretty good indicator that they are buying into the mission, that they're, that they're, they're buying what you're selling, right? And so if through coordinated um, subsequent mail communication, those donors, if we can get them to give a second gift through the mail and a third gift, then they tend to retain better. Awesome. Love it. So I think, you know, you mentioned the package. Okay. It's got a, I'm sure a lot of what has to do with if people are inspired to take action and to send that check or to write down their credit card number on that form, it's in the packaging and building that case for support. And there is a lot of bad packaging out there. Um, (laughs) That's not compelling, right? So, and that's one of the things that we work with our clients on doing is like creating that compelling packaging. What is your advice on how to get the package right? 
Oh my God. So Taylor, first, first of all, don't rush me because I still have three more things that I want to say about why direct mail is not Oh, bad. okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is how strongly I feel about it. <laughs> and then we can talk about the package. Okay. Okay. But Take a step back, also, people. <laughs> we also, um, research also shows that for organizations with a strong direct mail program, that upwards of 70% of planned gifts come from donors whose first interaction was through um, through the mail, right? So that goes into what I was talking about earlier. When you play that out over the course of a couple of decades and you acquire someone through the mail, keep them engaged through the mail, they generally may only give small incremental gifts to you know, a few times a year, but then they're writing you into their will, right? And so it can yield millions of dollars for an organization annually if you're able to incorporate planned giving marketing to your direct mail donors. And then the other thing that I would say is that oftentimes direct mail is a pipeline for mid and major giving. So you can look at your your stewardship assets as a way to engage some of them and upgrade them to higher levels of giving to grow and strengthen their their relationship with the organization, getting them to give at a thousand to ten thousand dollar level, for example, with the mid-level program. And then finally, uh, something really cool and interesting that I read recently is around millennials and research showing that they are actually a lot closer to the behavior related to male as their as the matures, as their grandparents, where they're open to receiving mail because much of their lives are conducted digitally. And so it isn't surprising that mail is kind of like an interrupter channel for millennials, right? So where they might, you know, blow by an ad or not even read an email Getting a mail package is almost like a disruptor for them, and they pay attention to it because it's a little bit more novel for them. That's interesting. I like that you use that word disruptor, um, mm-hmm. and it's something that I often think about um, when I get direct mail. Is I'm like, why are you sending this to me? I give online, right? But sometimes I do see something that is really compelling. I got something in the mail recently that was compelling and it connected to me. And, you know, I thought, huh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, this is, this is working. This is a great case for support. And I do have a connection to this mission. Um, And I definitely noticed it. Whereas like, yeah, you're right. If they'd sent me an email, like my (laughs) inbox is a mess. I mean, let's be real here. You know, like I don't, I don't need another email. That's for sure. So I like that you said that that's really interesting, especially as organizations are, you know, kind of either 
sometimes even rolling their eyes when people say, how do we engage millennials, right? And you're saying through the mail, people. Right, right, (laughs) right, exactly. And that kind of plays into your second question about the package and the things that tend to work well in the mail is the, the, the disruptor aspect. I think a lot of people fall into this, um, um, myth that the package has to be flashy, right? That it has to be, um, you know, it, uh, stand to stand out amongst the stack of mail that you pick up from your, your mailbox doesn't always necessarily need to be something that is slick and four color or glossy. You know, we don't have the budgets that a lot of, you know, large direct mail, commercial direct mailers like banks and things like that have. And so we need to get creative as nonprofits in, there are lots of different things that we have seen work that are not always flashy. So for example, you know, even flooding an envelope with one color, like a, you know, a bright color could be a way to get it to stand out and you're still only printing one color versus four color on the envelope. Using strong teaser copy on an envelope is another way. So as people sift through their mail, if they take two seconds to read whatever's on the carrier envelope, if it's compelling copy that and it's a simple white envelope, they'll open it if they think that the, the teaser on the envelope is interesting or they're intrigued um, to look to look into the package. So you have to create an experience for the donor. It has to speak to them. It has to be relevant to them. So personalization, localization, they're great ways to kind of integrate that into the whole package to make it a more personal experience for the donor. So when you use their name, when you um, um, add in additional notes that look like they're handwritten, um, having that more personalized connection, those things tend to do, to do better in the mail. Awesome. So we talked a little bit about digital at the beginning, and it's, it's not do digital or do direct mail, right? It's a, mm-hmm. it's an integrated approach and different people are going to respond to things in different channels and in different ways. So what are your thoughts on how to bring the two channels together, right? Yeah. How do you tie digital into the mail? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And uh, here too, I think a lot of our thinking it tends to go to, when we think of integration between offline and online, what, we're th- what we immediately think is, how do we get the, offline, the male donor to become an online donor, right? Which is, which is fine. That's great. You know, if we can get donors migrating between channels um, and we're getting, 
you know, a male donor to, to engage online, that is a wonderful thing. But I think that it's important to think about it as a two-way street and that there are opportunities when through digital programs to try and capture information beyond an email address to get, you know, people's full address and try sending them some mail and see how they respond to see if they will engage maybe with some of the most successful mail packages that you have. You may have a couple of what I would call pillar campaigns within a mail program. Let's say it's a membership campaign or a year-end, calendar year-end campaign or something like that, where there's opportunity to include online donors um, to, to try and get them to engage with you in, in that way. But one of the things that we've seen that is successful with several of our clients is offering in the mail package a specific vanity URL that is tied to that package or that campaign. So you can encourage people to go online to a dedicated landing page. This would not be the main donation form on your website, but be specific to the campaign so it has imagery and copy that reflects what they've seen in the mail. And then, you know, that that tends to generate um, additional revenue for that mail campaign. You're just giving people an opportunity to contribute to the campaign if they don't feel like writing a check and putting it in the envelope and getting it to the mailbox and sending it back to you. And you can even take that a step further and conduct some IP retargeting of people who received the mail, went to that landing page, but then abandoned it for whatever reason or didn't convert to a gift. You can follow them online and try to get them to come back and make that donation. And we've seen that be very successful in several programs um, that, that we um, drive strategy for. So, uh, you know, I think that there's lots of ways that you can do integration. And the key, I think, is testing, is just try, try, try. So, you know, try some of these ideas, see how they go, see how they work in your program, and then expand from there. Yeah, yeah. And that vanity URL, I mean, that's a great way to be able to also track back too. If you've got a URL that's specific to just that mail campaign, then that helps you track and connect the dots between how many people were compelled in the, by the mail piece to then go online and to give online. I think it also opens up opportunities for interesting digital storytelling that you can't do in the mail piece that mm-hmm. you could do if they that's then right. go to that vanity URL. That's so right. it helps to 
connect those dots. And that's often what I think about when thinking about like integrating the channels is it's connecting the dots between the two. And it's it's having them play off of each other, really. You know, it's not just like you said, it's not just about conversion and trying to get people to not send the check and to go online. Instead, it's about, you know, really having them sort of like play off of each other. Well, and that's exactly right, Taylor. And that is proven um, out in results because when when we look at almost, I would say, 99.9% of organizations' files that I have seen and done analyses on, you see that dual-channel or multi-channel donors are much more valuable to the organization. So if you can get them to engage with you in more than one channel, their giving will go up in whatever channel they like to give to you, whether that's online or offline. So if they tend to engage with you in more than one channel, their value is tends to be two to three times greater than someone that is just a male donor or just an online donor. Awesome. And and as time goes on and technology shifts and more of these younger audiences are being compelled through the mail, I mean, that's where we'll start to see different avenues for them to pay. And I think it'll be interesting. We'll see, you know, the checkbooks going away, but hey, click on this you know, scan this code and give to us through Venmo or to Zelle or, you know, those types of payments. So it'll be interesting to see as it evolves. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think though that as even, even with the fast pace of technology and how things have evolved and advanced with digital programs over the last, you know, 15 years, What we're seeing is that direct mail has an important place in an overall direct response program. And I think that's going to be true for many years to come. Um, And it's important for organizations to recognize that and provide, you know, opportunities for their constituents to engage through multiple channels and let the donor choose which one they prefer to engage with you in. Yep. Yep. Totally. Well, hey, man, this has been great. Thanks for, uh, sorry, I, uh, you know, took us a little two steps. (laughs) No, no no problem. um, How, if people want to get in touch with you and follow along your journey, how do they they Um, reach out to you, David? Absolutely. So, you know, I am on LinkedIn, so you can search for David Sacchetti on LinkedIn and connect with me there and shoot me a message. You can um, also feel free to email me, um, david, you know, dot Cicchetti at pursuant.com. Um, for, so feel free to reach out through through any channel that you want. There, there, my contact information should be on Pursuant's website. So you can connect with me through there as well if you um, want to go that route. Cool. All right. Well, hey, man, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for joining us. And um, see you next time around. Thank you, Taylor. Mm -hmm. Have a good day. See ya. 
Hey, y'all. Thanks for tuning in with us. Be sure to check out all of the latest and greatest Pursuant resources at Pursuant.com or drop us a line at info at Pursuant.com. <laughs>